0: You're listening to the Relationship Centered Learning Podcast, a podcast to inspire and empower you to be a difference maker in a dysfunctional educational system. Hear weekly from adults and students who are having a radical impact in the education space as they share from their minds and hearts, giving us practical tools that we can take back to our classrooms and campuses. Here to take you outside the educational box is author, disruptor, and your host, Kevin Curtis. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I'm interviewing Avi Palero Denise Holiday, my co-founder, joins me in connecting with this incredible student from the Oregon City School District. We share many strategies between all of us that I'm sure you're gonna have some big takeaways. But before we get into today's episode, I'm gonna invite you to head over to our website at rclfirst.com and join our RCL Facebook group. This is a brand new community that we've created to connect, inspire, ask questions, and grow together as we continue to strive to put relationships at the center of all learning. I hope that you'll come join us. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Welcome to the Relationship Center Learning Podcast, where we put relationships at the center of all learning. I am double excited today, because not only do I get my occasional co-host, Denise Circle Mama Holiday on the show. Denise, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, everybody. Glad to be back.
0: Absolutely. Love when you're here. And we have Avi today. And so Avi is an amazing student that's going to be able to share a powerful voice. And so welcome to the show, Avi.
2: Thank you. I'm super excited to be here and talk with everybody.
0: Absolutely. So just like every episode, before we get started, we always want to start off with connections before content. We do that in the GTKY format. We do a Flip 5 format. So Avi, we're going to take turns asking you five questions, and then you get to Flip 5 back at us, and then we'll dive into today's content of the show. Denise, you want to get started?
1: Yes. So I'm going to change it up. It wasn't one of my questions, but I'll ask it now. We were just talking about nails, And if you could go today after the show to get your nails done, what color are you choosing, sister?
2: Right now, I've been actually thinking about this because I've been waiting for the moment that I can get my nails done again when I finally have some extra money to go spend. And I've been obsessed with the color sage green right now. Like, I don't know if you can tell from the background with, like, the blankets and everything, but I'm obsessed with that color or, like, a pretty, like, brown. I'm really into, like, the neutral colors right now. Yeah, I feel like they like they're very soothing and pretty. So, I've been really wanting sage green acrylics with like a little brown accent nail or
1: something. Okay, you sound like my daughter because that <laughs> is the color she picked. That was one of her colors. You go, Avi.
0: <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm just gonna tell you, as the male on the show, I am so impressed that you know specifically the colors, the shellac. I mean, the I mean, you 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 literally visualize what this looks like. So I'm totally impressed by that. So my question is gonna be a little bit different. We'll shift away from nails. Let's just go to music, Avi. When you're feeling like, man, I need to just kind of and not not that you're feeling completely down, but you're like, man, I need to pick me up. What's that one song or wh- who's that one artist or song that you listen to that just like really brightens your day?
2: I definitely say I love Harry Styles. If you can tell from the giant poster of him, he just lives on the wall back there. So definitely Harry Styles. But I'm super into the Wallows and like Lana Del Rey. Harry Styles. I really like Fleetwood Mac, some older music and stuff. Definitely some 70s, 80s. I'm all over the place with my music taste. So any type of song, because I'm a dancer, so I'm, I am have to be super into music. So I feel like I can kind of, anything gets me excited. I'm just really into music, any kind of
1: stuff. Kevin, are you sure we're not interviewing
0: Avery? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Avery's my daughter, and that is her favorite artist. Okay, you,
0: you can So, have to so it. Denise, you're gonna have to have her and Avery hook up just so yeah, they can always they... have to hook up. I'll bring her with
1: me when I come. Okay. I'll bring her with me when I yes, come. Yes,
0: yes. Okay. okay. So
1: next question. What was your favorite dish that you ate over this break? Ooh. Your absolute favorite dish. Like you went back for seconds, thought about thirds, and you snuck that fourth.
2: <laughs> I definitely think my dad made ribs for Christmas. I went over to his house for Christmas dinner. And I definitely think his ribs, they were really good. He let me take some home with me. And I've just been kind of I like took a little bit more than he offered because I was like, I need to, to eat these for a while. And so they've been like hiding in the fridge. And I was like, nobody else eat these like these are my ribs. So definitely those, I've been eating those for the past few days for like lunch and stuff and even snacks because they're super good. All
0: right, Avi, question number four is what is the best way that you start your day? So like when you're going to have the best days, what is the way you always start your day? Do you have a routine or something that helps you get into like a really good day routine?
2: I think either I do meditation a lot just to help me get kind of grounded. I like to work out and like stretch in the mornings too. I feel like that always makes me feel kind of productive. Journaling, I need to get better at journaling. I used to be really good at it, but I've kind of been slacking. And also like, I like to water my plants and stuff like that. Those those things make me feel pretty productive in the mornings.
0: So. Nice. All right, Denise, last question. Okay, last
1: question. What is your favorite plant?
2: Ooh. Definitely. I really like ferns. I think they're very pretty. Um, and I really like lavender because the smell and my mom and I, it's like our favorite flower together. So it reminds me of her. So I really like it. Okay. All right.
0: Well, all right, Avi. So do you got five questions for Denise and I?
2: I'm going to do some off the top of my head. Let's do it. Alex. Like, okay. Denise, if the pandemic were to be over tomorrow, what is one place you would travel to?
1: Oh, Matt, what's one place I would travel to? Oregon. Oregon City. Oregon. <laughs> Just, no, and, I, and I'm being really, really serious. And let me tell you why. Oregon, because I want to visit my class that I circle with. Those kids are amazing. They sent me a sweet video and um, come hang out with you and your mama.
2: Mm-hmm. and i'm okay. excited to meet your daughter
0: too
2: she
0: sounds yeah. amazing yeah yeah okay and there's another reason because she wants to fish like and fish. <laughs> and fish. no and i'll just fish. i'll just be a fun no denise <laughs> denise if you get to know her beyond her big heart she is a huge fishing fan so she loves to fish and and when i say this avi i'm talking about like we could be training somewhere and she doesn't eat lunch a lot of times. So she's like, I'm going to go get on the water during lunch. And so if there's a body of water <laughs> near us. And so it was, I don't know how many years back, I bought her a collapsible fishing pole for her birthday so that when she travels, she could just like, bam, pull that sucker out. And she's like, like on the water. So Denise is, is uh, I'm just teasing, throwing a little shade and, on her and the fact that she could fish up there.
1: I know. And your mom has already arranged, when I come there, a fishing trip. Oh so, yeah, my,
2: my cousin is a huge fisherman and he's that's calling us out. He has his little boat and everything. It's kind of scary because it's a little rickety, but it's it's really fun.
0: That's what she
1: said.
2: You'll have to <laughs> do that.
0: All right, question number two, Avi.
2: This one be for Kevin. What is your favorite type of podcast to do? Like, do you like to do student connection ones? Do you like to do like adult ones, like the ones you do with my mom? Like, what's your favorite, if you have a favorite type?
0: You know, it's really hard. I, I think they both add so much value to me, but I, I will tell you, I will say like, if I have a favorite, Denise and I always reminisce on this one. I think our student ones leave you always leave you feeling feeling full different than the adult ones like I get lots of gold nuggets and lots of strategies and great ideas from the adults and so don't get me wrong I love them but I leave with a different inspiration and motivation when I listen to the students interactions versus the adults sometimes and so we always say that the students' voices have the loudest voices. And so by far, Denise and I always reflect on the idea that, wow, man, what what how we're always blown away how powerful the student voices are. And that's why we're always big on making sure that we have students on the podcast because I think what we've learned is is I don't think we do that enough. And for me, it's so students by by far, I think, leave the biggest impression on me. Awesome. Well then I'm really excited to be here. That's super now stupid. we just made her nervous, Denise. Yeah, like, like, holy oh, crap, there was no pressure. But now all of a sudden like, you talk about motivation, this. inspiration. She's no, like, no, she's- this she, is her thing. <laughs> this is
1: her thing. She wants to do a podcast. No,
0: <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm laughing because now she's like, holy crap. Now, you know, the, now I got to no, live up to this.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. All right. Love question it. number three. I got to keep us on track.
2: Okay, Denise. What got you into being a circle mama? What steps led to that? Because I, my mom recently has been talking about it a lot, but I didn't really know what it was until she brought it up. So what, what got you to that point?
1: So I don't even know. I'm not going to tear up today. Okay. (laughs) So what got me to that point is I was doing some work with the University of Texas and TEA and circle was a part of that. It really resonated with my soul and my spirit that people can sit in a circle and ask questions and really be heard. And as I was, this was going on, deep inside of me, I had never experienced the opportunity to truly be heard. And I didn't think anybody really wanted to know or hear anything of what I had to say. As a kid, you didn't speak to, you spoken to. And so through all of that, listening to all of the stories and being able to share my stories, I began to heal from it. And I thought, what power in that? Like, it just became this place that felt like a hug and safe and secure. And the actual name Circle Mama, actually Kevin, was the one that like kind of asked me all these questions what do you want people to get from circle? And I was like, I don't want people to hurt anymore. And I want people to know that they matter and their voices can be heard, but I know it's a process. And so we also came up with the saying, healing hearts one circle at a time. And um, it just validates that I am worthy and um, I'm valuable and I deserve to be heard by all that will listen.
2: I love you're going to make me tear up. I love
0: that <laughs> so
2: much. I love yeah. that
1: so much.
0: Yeah, so to just add some value to that conversation, Avi, to put perspective around it, Denise and I's path cross, uh, crossed and intersected in that world. The University of Texas brought me in, they brought Denise in and I came as an administrator, she was working as a paraprofessional on a campus. And so we were like, our worlds collided. And we were both in awe of each other. I was intimidated by her, she was intimidated by me. And the, you know, the one that I will say the difference is, is I at this point, at least found value in my voice, because people were giving me an opportunity to be at the front of the room and speak, where Denise was just getting the opportunity in these small group circles. And so the when I experienced, and I'm going to use that word very carefully, when I experienced being in circle with Denise, it is something that is very hard to describe and put your finger on, like what was so powerful and connected about it. So as our relationship grew and we started to grow, you know, as friends and colleagues, you know, one of the things that I thought was is, is You know, I could see that she was struggling with her self-value, but she was also struggling with her identity in the work. And so when we came up with, you know, when I coined the term Circle Mama, she asked me, wow, like, how did you, where did that come from? I said, you treat the circle process as if it's your child. Like you care for it, you love it, you nurture it, right? It's that true mom effect, you know? And so really Circle Mama was born from the idea that she nurtures and loves and takes care of the people that are in circle so much that when you leave Denise's circle, Avi, this is, and trust me, this is a hundred percent of the time. And we're going to have our, I feel like we're kind of having a Denise episode. We're going to do that later. But my point is, Avi, is that when, when people participate in circle with Denise, they all leave feeling exactly what she is. They get, she leaves her essence with them. And so We have all tried to emulate her. You just can't do it. I mean, there is only one circle mama. She has the ability to circle with strangers. And when I say that, she has the ability to have conversations. So you don't have to be a circle. She can connect, conversate, or circle with anybody in the entire world, whether she knows you or not. And by the time you're done with that conversation, you're going to feel connected with her. And that is the it factor that God has blessed her with and this ability to connect with others. So circle mama really came from the factor that She nurtures this conversation in this connecting to peace so much that it is almost like a child to her. It's a great question, Avi. Great question. I can
2: just tell you, my mom speaks so highly of you. So I'm so excited that I get to work with you too. Because just from our short conversation we've already had, we haven't even like dove into the actual like student connection conversation. I can already feel that magic like through the screen, and I just am so excited to get to work with you. And hopefully you get to come to Oregon soon. Oh my God, I don't want to make you cry, but you are just—I can just feel it through the screen already. You do feel like a mom, like it's amazing.
0: Is this when I turn my screen off, Denise? Go ahead and uh, chop liver. Is this what? Is it because this is what? Is this? Is this what? Is this when I just go ahead and turn the show over to you, Denise? At this point, I'll just—I'll just black my screen off at this point.
1: Okay, here we go. Here we go.
0: No, while she while she gets her composure, the reason I say this obvious is because, and I truly say this, and Denise knows it. Every time people typically meet me first, just typically because I'm the face of the business, and I'll go to schools and I'll go to campuses. But and, and it happens almost every single time, as I mentioned before, Denise will come in behind me, and once Denise comes a second or a third time or whatever. Then if I show up again, they're always like, hey, Kevin, how are you doing? And you can always see him kind of like looking behind me. <laughs> and they're like, is Circle Mama not coming today? And I'm like, no, you just have me. And they're like, oh,
1: okay. <laughs> No, I'm excited. No, to no, no,
0: no, no, Avi, Avi. No, Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing it up. But uh, Denise, is, I've t- Denise has never experienced that because she's not there when they ask for her and they just look at me like, oh, so I'm left with you. I'm like, you know, two weeks ago before you met her, I was really incredible. I was like that fantastic guy that you were like, man, you are the best. You are awesome. I don't have a nickname, you know, but at the end, they really loved me until they met Denise. Um, so, no, I'm just I, – I, 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 it's all in fun. It is all in fun. I tell people all the time, Avi, the way that Denise makes people feel in the way that she connects with them makes me proud to have her as my co-founder because, to me – what better person is not only my best friend in life, but but my co-founder, but the person, if you were going to pick a co-founder and a best friend in life, Avi, you would want it to be somebody that leaves such a positive impression on others that at the end of the day, if you go in their shadow, you got to be comfortable with that. And I'm completely comfortable with it. In fact, I love and appreciate the fact that she shines so much because of the fact that she just brings so much value to people in their conversations. And I may have the brains and a lot of the pieces behind it, but Denise is the heart of what we do. How in the heck did we make this episode about you?
2: I'm okay with that.
0: No, I'm just looking at her. She's like, I didn't do it. No, no, no. <laughs> this is a natural conversation. I'm just like, what the hell happened? What
2: happened?
0: <laughs> Next question. Okay, this one's for you, Kevin. Yes, thank you. Question for me. Here we go. <laughs> it's a bit of a silly one. Oh. But
2: I'm going to ask if you played like any sports or anything growing up, or because I just want to know about your guys's like background a little.
0: Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. So, so, do you so um, do you have
2: anything, yeah. any? Yeah. Sports that
0: you love. Now? So I played a predominantly growing up. I played almost everything from soccer to baseball to you know I didn't play youth football until I got into middle school, but. Football and baseball were my two sports. Uh, I ended up playing football and baseball in high school. I played college football for a year. Then I went into education and I was a high school football coach for 10 years. So I coached football and baseball for 10 years at the high school level here in Texas. And so when you look at that, like for me, sports wasn't about sports, sports was about life. It teaches you how to handle life. And that's why I loved it. It taught me how to handle life. I grew up in a family of drugs, alcohol, and addiction. So I was introduced to marijuana at nine, cocaine at 12. All three of my brothers are dead because of drug-related deaths. And so, you know, it it was really a blessing that I threw myself into athletics and academics that kind of put me on a different pathway than drugs and alcohol, or else I really wouldn't be sitting here today. So yeah, sports, huge, huge, huge sports fan, predominantly football and then baseball.
2: I love that, yeah, sports are very healing i feel the exact same way with like dance and stuff like it's without dance i don't know what i would do mentally because it's an outlet and dance is like an art people say so it's like yeah, sports well said. very very stress relieving and helpful and i love sports so.
0: all right let's finish up with denise
2: I was going to ask you if you have like a favorite genre of movie and if so, what movie in that genre is your favorite?
1: I don't have a favorite genre of movie, but I do like, I like like dramas, Mm -hmm. suspenseful dramas that have a happy ending kind of like you're on the edge of your seat and you're thinking, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. then it ends up good. Yes. So dramas, kind of like dramas
2: yeah awesome
0: okay those are my questions all right so all right, we got the GTKY part of the section of the show. So, guys, if you're listening to us still, and hopefully you're hanging on, having fun with us, um, if you want to know more about the GTKY or Connect Before content, head over to rclfirst.com. You can either click on the link for GTKY questions or you can click on the link to join Denise. If we haven't pumped you up enough, of Denise, we're giving opportunities for you to join Circles on Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. You just click on the link. You'll get a Zoom link and you can join us. It is, there's no prerequisite. You don't have to uh, have any training or anything. It's just an opportunity to connect with Denise and other educators to make you feel valued, seen, and heard. All right. So that's out of the way. Let's get into today's show. Avi, just a quick introduction who you are, your name what grade you're in, just a little bit. We kind of learned a little bit about dancing, but just who you are in a nutshell. So our kind of listeners know a background before we de- go into today's content.
2: Okay. So hi, I'm Avi or I, Aviana, but I go by Avi. Um, I'm a junior here in Oregon at Oregon City High School. I'm super passionate about volunteering. I love to do some volunteer work. It's been a little difficult volunteer right now with the pandemic, which is kind of upsetting, but I've been able to get some opportunities in there. Um, I'm a member of student council at my school, and I'm on the unity committee, so we we work towards getting equality and equity brought into our school. I'm also working with No Place for Hate. It's an organization that also works on bringing equity and equality into the school. And so we've been working on getting registered as a No Place for Hate school and getting a donation and things like that. We get a big banner, but we have to complete a certain amount of events first. So we've just been its very much so in the works, but it's very exciting. I'm also a member of my school's very new mental health panel. We created a, a student panel for the pandemic just so kids feel like they have a connection outside of the school because it's really hard. A lot of people can't even see their friends right now. So we just wanted them to feel a little less alone. So we're working right now on a buddy program. It's very much so also in the works. These are all very new to my to my committees. We're working on a buddy program where us students, there's a panel of us. We get tra- we get trained through like QPR and things like that um, for mental health and suicide prevention and things like that. And we're hopefully going to have a student that we get paired up with. We do Zoom meetings with them. We exchange numbers, and it's just like you have like a new friend that you stay in contact with to kind of make them feel a little less alone. So I'm really hoping that that gets the ball rolling. And even if we go back to school, we're hoping to continue that. I go to OASC a lot, organization or uh, Oregon Association of Student Council. Um, it's a camp that works a lot on leadership. So I'm very passionate about leadership and community and stuff like that. Uh, like Kevin mentioned, I'm a dancer. And like I mentioned before, I've been dancing since about fifth grade and i danced competitively competitively for a few years and i did things like point ballet lyrical all of the genres and everything like that and then i recently started doing cheer which is a little more difficult with the pandemic and everything but my school's allowing us to still practice which is very exciting
0: your um, mom's a teacher
2: Yes, my mom's a teacher. She she teaches at the middle school that I attended, Gardner Middle School, and I live here with my mom and my little brother. He's 11. He also loves football. He plays it, so he's very bummed he can't do that right now. I don't know. I'm very friend and family oriented. I love surrounding myself with amazing people, and I'm really, really lucky to have the people right now in my life that I do. I'm super passionate, like I said, about leadership and just like making sure people feel like they have a place in this world. Because I know from experience, I felt like I haven't. And I've been in some very, very low points in my life without any friends or anything like that. So I just want to constantly make sure people have connections to make sure that they feel heard. Like Denise said, like they have a voice because I feel like a lot of students, especially now, And especially at my school, because my school struggles a bit with equality and equity and things like that, I really just want to make sure that the kids in my grade and my peers and students make sure that they are alone. I was
0: was about to say, Denise, um...
1: girl, okay, so you know what, we're going to connect. And as you were speaking of all those things, my my, my wills were turning because you're right. There's so many students out there right now in this pandemic that don't feel connected and who's checking on them and not just them like us me personally you think you know the people that have it together are strong um, but we have stuff so I want to ask you like thinking about that whole mental health piece and connections what has been the one thing for you about connecting either whether it was with your teachers or someone else that stood out or that really was like that saving grace for you that you wish there was more of it
2: i feel like so my school has been kind of sending like little postcards to their students i received one in the mail from my my associate principal and he was just congratulating me on my grades for the first trimester. Because like junior year is like stereotypically like, oh, the hardest year and everything. And online has made it 1 million percent even more difficult. And so I received a postcard from him in the mail just like as a little congratulation. And for some reason that just like really like made me feel really good about myself. And I feel like I'm hoping that other things like that are being sent to other students because it's such a small like gesture. But in moments right now where you don't constantly have teachers being like, oh, like good work, you know, because you're over Zoom and it's hard to do that. And just having someone so like high up in my administration at my school tell me that they're proud of me was just very like, okay, everything I'm doing, it's worth something. And I'm not just doing it for nothing. And my hard work is being recognized and appreciated. So I I really hope that that's being done to the other students too. I'm assuming it is because I don't know why, oh, I'd be the only one getting one, you know, so But for some reason, that just really like hit me close and made me feel really good about myself. So I feel like that's the one thing that my school has been doing really good on right now.
0: Awesome. Love it. So as you kind of went through your resume of so many things that you're passionate about, I will just tell you it's impressive. And so I I, know it's very impressive. But it's also, I mean, there's a lot that you are putting on your plate, Avi, at at this age. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so when you look at this, I mean, I would say, in my opinion, you're you're the atypical student. You're you and I'm gonna make an assumption here, but I'm gonna ask for clarification. I feel, and the impression I get from you is you're willing to put these things that you're passionate about on your plate because of that, because you care and you 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 care and you are passionate about so many things that all fall And it's almost like a Venn diagram. They almost lay over each other. You know, they're all very similar in nature, right? When you're checking in on the well-being of of students, mental health and and awareness, equity and equality, right? So when when you look at, let's just take one piece of the puzzle. When you look back at any age, and it could be from six months ago, from six years ago, let's start with equity and equality there before we kind of go back onto the rest of the plate. What kind of, when you look back at your rear view mirror, What kind of got you invested into equity and equality dealing with, particularly at your age, and dealing with students?
2: Well, so I've been super, I've seen bullying occur at my school since a young age. Like, especially when I come from such a predominantly white city, there's a lot of issues with racism and homophobia and just a lot of hate, which is really unfortunate. And so I feel like from a super young age, I've been able to recognize, obviously, that's not okay. And in elementary school, my friends and I created a little no bullying club. And obviously, we didn't know how to educate other students yet, because we were also like in third or fourth grade. So I feel like from a young age, and also just like with my mom's guidance being taught, like, if you see something, say something like don't be a bystander. And so I feel like that's kind of where it like sprouted from in a way and then as I got into high school I saw a lot of issues with inequality especially when it comes to like punishments and things like that like kids will say horrible disgusting things about different groups of people and they won't they won't receive a punishment or even if they do it's not as big as it should be so I feel like that's definitely like fueled my fire because I'm like that's not okay and things need to get done And I just want to like help elevate the voices of people who don't get to be heard. So I feel like that's definitely where that stemmed from is just seeing that people are being treated unfairly and wanting to help them have not necessarily be the problem solver because it's not always like my place to do that. But I want to help them have a platform to share their voices and talk about their experiences of things that they've experienced that aren't equal or the struggles they've had in our city or our school. So not to like throw my school under the bus and be like, they don't know things, but it's definitely like even in student council, we've recognized that. And so my whole student council as an entire student body, we've been definitely working towards that.
0: Avi, I can just tell you to, to, to reaffirm you. I don't think you're throwing your school under the bus. I think all schools struggle with these same type of issues. So by all means, I don't think you're throwing your school under the bus. I think you're just addressing needs. Yeah. And so so when you when you Denise, when you hear her respond with that, what are your thoughts?
1: So my thought is like thinking about all the things that you do. My brain went straight to how do you think that addressing it now in high school or even in elementary, what is the impact that that can have in our society or in, the wor- in our world as a whole? Like, really, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I def- addressing it
1: now versus later on.
2: Yeah, I definitely think addressing it now is necessary because even though we're in high school, we think we're so old and everything, we're still growing mentally so, so much like more than we know and recognize. And so I think if we call it out now and fix those things and reprimand those things now, people are going to graduate and go into college and grow and become more educated. And they're gonna be more open-minded and willing to do things like that, be more open-minded and become educated on why the things they say or do can be really harmful to different groups of people. So I definitely feel like it's really important now because in high school we're in such a little bubble. We're in our own city. We're surrounded by the kids we've been with since elementary and middle school. And so I feel like if we take it down now, when we leave our bubble, we're going to go into the world and be more productive people. And we're going to, we're going to call those things out in the real world. Cause like, even though high school, like I said, we think we're so old and so grown we're not like we're still kids and stuff. And we live in this little world. So I feel like calling it out now and reprimanding it now sends us into the world being more educated and willing to grow,
1: if that makes sense. One other thing I want to know, how do you do that without shaming? Because I think when we shame people around race and all of these things, we hit that brick wall and nobody is listening. And so it's really important to me when I have these conversations It's not about shaming or judgment because maybe they don't know they're there. Maybe it's so how do you guys do that without shaming?
2: I feel like that's hard because I don't know how they even reprimand at my school because obviously they can't like share the punishments that they give the students. But I feel like we we've had students go in and talk to other students and explain why the things that they say are hurtful. And so I feel like just like having a sit down with the students and educating them rather than being like, this is bad, like you're gonna get expelled. I feel like having those conversations is a lot better because like, even though they might be embarrassed, like, okay, now these people are like, they might feel kind of targeted that these people are like calling them out. It's still just like sitting down and having conversations and talking and being like, this is why what you said hurt me and this is why it can be harmful and like a domino effect or a butterfly effect type of thing so i definitely think talking is a huge part of it and just like educating them and that's why i think we're working so hard on getting things like no place for hate implemented in my schools is because it gives students resources to learn and so yeah just like conversations and things like that i think are really important to have
0: and i'm glad you referenced that because i think in in the work that denise and i have been extensively doing with schools is when it comes to accountability for some of those instead of consequences sometimes it needs to really focus on the conversation right and, and we're always we always talk about like conversation before consequences because I think unfortunately where we're at in today's modern time it, forget the pandemic just even before the pandemic the consequences unfortunately no longer give the form of accountability to students where they own their stuff they typically are like ah you know i didn't do it and it was you know they, they can spin it in so many different ways where it deflects any ownership of how they made someone else feel would you agree with that avi
2: definitely yeah and i feel like sitting them down and having them have to talk about it might be even more awkward for them like right. have- The people that they hurt. Right. Conversation might be more awkward and might actually hit deeper and be like, "Dang, like (laughs) that kind of sucked." I don't want to have to go through that again. Maybe I shouldn't like say those things or do those things.
0: Well, or at least what what the other thing that I'm also impressed that the the passions that you're surrounding yourself around is awareness. Let me put some context to this because earlier when you were talking about like why do you do these things and you know how do we get them all out there you know, you mentioned just bringing awareness to this. And the reason I say that is powerful now is when I look at my own personal journey in education, in 2012, when I was first introduced to the concept of restorative practices, where conversations where people would sit in a circle and build community, and then when two people were harming each other or one was harmed, they would sit down and have a conversation about it. So much like you're describing, but then I was introduced to the school to prison pipeline, particularly of how the exclusionary consequences were affecting our black or brown students. And I was in a school that was predominantly uh, minority, 80% were either black or brown. So when you look at that, and I was the one applying those consequences. So it was weird because I was never aware of the school to prison pipeline. That was not something that when I went to college or when you become an administrator, they're like, hey, let me make you aware that, you know, uh, African-American students in certain demographics in certain places, sorry, in certain places are nine times more likely to be involved with the juvenile justice system if you suspend them. So therefore, then this leads to that. And it's, as you mentioned, domino butterfly effect, whatever, they end up in the juvenile detention center, which ultimately puts them more likely to be involved with the, the, the adult correctional facility, right? So when you become aware for some reason it's hard to hide behind things that once you see it you can't unsee it and so one of the main i tell people all the time one of the main reasons of the biggest push that pushed me out of public education and i left i left education avi and i walked away no salary no benefits no net just took a leap of faith and said okay i'm much like you just i was a lot older I became very passionate in a very short amount of time about making a change and making awareness and letting them know that there were other ways of having conversations and that these consequences weren't working and how do we build community and how do we give a voice? So everything that you're passionate about in a nutshell, I became passionate about in my 40s. But what's interesting, obviously, is I never had these conversations as a teenager. I never even had these conversations and I look back Sometimes Denise and I, and we're both 51, when we're having conversations now, Avi, with adults who have never had these conversations or never even been brought awareness, they're still, you know, underneath the idea that this doesn't exist. And so I will commend you. And what I love about what your, your passions are surrounded about is that awareness and that you're taking awareness and then you're turning it into actions, right? So when, when I say that, what, what, what is that, how does that reflect with you when I talk about that awareness was not, is not always there, even now, with, with the adults that are, that are surrounding us? What are your thoughts?
2: I definitely agree with that. I had a teacher last year, and he taught uh, perspectives on U.S. history class, and so it just gave students a bunch of perspectives, and his saying constantly was just, ignorance is bliss. Like you said, once you see those things and those issues, it's so hard to just turn away from them. And like you said, like, I just want to make a difference and do something about it. And so that's why, yeah, those conversations are so important to have now, because like you said, the people you talk to now as adults aren't always as willing because they've lived almost ha- like a good portion of their life with these ideas and these beliefs and these views and things like that and they haven't had someone sit down with them and be like hey let's let's have a talk and let's let's look at a new perspective and things like that and yeah I just feel like ignorance is bliss is a huge thing because it's not even that they don't want to learn it's that they never have had to have those conversations those tough conversations because I feel like adults now even are like oh well I don't like it's I've lived half my life like this like it's fine you know And so I definitely think that's why we should start so young is so when my generation becomes adults, we don't have to go through the struggle of having those conversations as our morals have already been formed and things like that. And it's never too late to change your ideas and your morals and things like that. You could be 90 years old and have a tough conversation and then all of a sudden your ideas are changed and you live the rest of your life with those ideas. But I feel like it's a lot easier if you start from the ground up rather than having to work on it as it's already been built, you know, if that makes sense.
0: No, it's well said because what Denise and I work with is it's already built. So we're coming into school systems that are not having conversations like you that have their own biases and beliefs and ideas that have been institutionalized in them for years, right? Of The way they were raised, the way what worked and those types of things. And so I think you make a case, I think it would be much easier to, I'm not going to use the word convince, I'm going to say educate, (laughs) educate a person of youth versus an adult later in life. Because again, I think we walk in the rooms and say, look, you have your own biases and beliefs and ideas. And we have to acknowledge that up front, because we have to know they're already there where what you're talking about is what if I could get to you before we build up all those walls of ignorance and all those other things of of turning a blind eye and not understanding other people's point of view and those types of things because i'm going to turn this over to denise but denise and i both have recognized our personal growth through this journey of the model like i led the district avi with 1149 types of suspension i was a suspension machine so when you say couldn't you change absolutely But it's changed like that. Not necessarily. I was a slow transformer. I needed to experience a conversation where a kid said, holy cow, I did that, Mr. Curtis. And when I said that to Avi, you know, I made her feel this way. And you're like, did you just own? Because I have suspended you and done things to you and you've never owned crap, right? But all of a sudden, I put two people in a room and all of a sudden there is this magical co- connection of where ownership and then you know that person forgave the other person and then we left going like we actually felt like there was some growth in this moment but with the expectation that you're still this kid and you're going to screw things up that this may happen again but if it does i need you to take those into consideration so so just know transformation is true and it can happen at any age would you agree with that denise Yes. And also I thought about,
1: you know, thinking about you and your wealth of knowledge in this. Not every student is where you are. It would be great if they were, but they're not. And not even every there's not every adult is even there and they're adults. And so when you think about that, not every every student being where you are or Educators, where you are, what ideas or recommendations come to mind for you when that comes up? Because not everybody is where you are. Some people might think, oh, you are extreme. So, what are your thoughts on that? Everybody's not where you are. If you're, somebody's saying that to you or a teacher, what are your thoughts? What are your ideas?
2: I definitely think I've ran into that problem quite a few times. And obviously when you're working with topics like this and things that are so heavy, you're going to run into that issue of people who just like, are like, "Well, I don't see it. So, and, or no, like you're just like being dramatic and things like that. And there's a lot of being shut down. Like we've, we've had that a lot, not even like on purpose, just teachers being like, Oh, like whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. And so I feel like when that happens, The trainings that teachers are starting to go through are very vital and I feel like we definitely need a lot more of those because those tough conversations have to be had and that way they can pass those ideas and stuff on to their students and as students I feel like bringing programs in like what we're trying to do to like not force feed them these ideas because you can't change everyone's ideas and you can't change everyone's opinions you can try as hard as you want but some people it's just they just are stuck like that no matter how many conversations you try to have and it's very frustrating because obviously you want to change everyone's ideas so that everyone thinks the same but in reality it's not like that and so i feel like just trying as hard as you can to provide them with resources and education and programs and not everyone's gonna take those resources and you can't force them to But I feel like just doing things like back in school, like assemblies on things like that and educating them. We've we've had a few really amazing speakers come in and talk to our school and do big assemblies. And I feel like that's really necessary, too. And obviously, some kids will even skip out on those. But I feel like you can touch big groups of people when you get everyone in one room and have them have the same information relayed to them, like with trainings for teachers and stuff like that. So I definitely just think like, I don't want to say force feeding, but giving them these resources and education and things like that. It's so hard to like, you kind of have to like tiptoe around it. Cause like I said, you can't make everyone think the same and have the same opinions. People are very complex with their own ideas, but I feel like you can try as hard as you can.
1: So on a personal note, I want to know what is, what do you require of yourself From within and and how did you build like that stamina? What do you require of yourself when you personally get that pushback from others or you're faced with seeing some of these things take take place and those don't want to be a part of What do you require of yourself? What goes on within you?
2: I'm a very stubborn person. Like, I, if somebody is like, no, like, I don't believe that, I'm going to keep pushing, not until they believe it, but just try and try and try and try and try. Like, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm going to try and correct you and educate you as much as I can without obviously being, like, disrespectful or anything. But I feel like, for me, the support of my student council and the people I'm surrounded with is so necessary because there's been times where we've gotten, like, shut down by admin or our ideas have been, like, well, we don't know if we can do that. and it's been very just like because you work so hard to even plan those ideas and get the logistics of it planned out. So when you have somebody kind of shut that down, it's frustrating and it, and sometimes I take it very personally. I'm like, well, those are my ideas and my thoughts and I I take it very to heart and I just need the people around me to kind of ground me and remind me, Avi, they don't hate you just because they don't believe in what you believe or just because they gave you some pushback. They They don't hate you as a person. You're not a bad person. But yeah, definitely just like the support of my peers and my friends reminding me that it's okay we'll just try again and maybe we're not going to have that person as our target group we can try with another group of people or try another teacher try another administrator so it's very trial and error but because i'm so stubborn (laughs) i'm gonna do trial and error until i get at least a little bit of change
0: (laughs) well we, we we love that about you because ultimately you are paralleling what we're dealing with with adults And so the only value that I could add to your conversation, Avi, is a couple pieces that we have learned. So take these at heart. These are some suggestions. The first thing is, notice when you were looking for that word, educate slash resource, you were struggling, like for, you're like, I need an adjective to describe (laughs) that, right? I saw it, right? And so were we. So one of the best ways that we have learned, we have observed when some of our adults have actually, and we'll use the word flip. I mean, so what Denise is really good at, I'll be presenting and Denise is watching the crowd. And she's looking for the arm crossed, snarl looking, you know, and those types of things. And then what we're looking is, how is their body language later in the day? Or what was their comments when they first went to their first breakout group? And then, you know, what were their comments later? And so one of the things that we realize is they need an experience, so resources and education, yes. What I would try to ask you to consider as you're working through all of, of the passions that you're going through in the initiatives is try to remember that taking through those people that are not seeing your point of view or, or struggling to kind of understand what your, your agenda is through this group is give them an experience because an experience is something different than a handout you know, or a book, right? In fact, we came up with this phrase, it says, you can't read experience because I can read a book on, on what social justice is, or I can read a book on Black Lives Matter, right? I can read something, whatever. But if you go to a march, or if you experience a conversation, or you hear somebody testify how it was impacted to them, now that's an experience, right? Would you agree? Yeah. And then the last thing one is, is, is I started to develop this because... I'm like you, I'm very stubborn. And so when I got into this work at the very beginning, you know, people would like, ah, this ain't never going to work. And I'm like, what the hell do you say? Like what what the hell are you talk? You know, come here and say that to my face, right? Like I'm I mean, I would get nose to nose and toes to toes cuz that's who I am. So, I was struggling. So, much like your passions and your initiatives, just like this one, we were dealing with social justice. We were dealing with restorative justice. We were dealing with, you know, black and brown students, asking them to not exclude them, to have conversations, to hold them accountable, but to have a conversation surrounding that. looked sounded so odd. We were called the apology program or the hug-a-thug program. You know, we were, we were identified with this kumbaya crap that they were, they were calling it. And so one of the things that I really had to struggle with is in the delivery of my message, and I say this now at the forefront. So I get it out of the way. And it it is it is not a speech, in other words, it's not it's not that it's it's not genuine, but it is the truth. And what I tell them is I'm not here today to convince you, to condemn you, right, or to convert you. I am actually here today to convict you because the only way that we truly change is from the inside from an experience. So we're going to provide an experience today that hopefully will convict you. And if it convicts you and you leave saying, maybe I need to think about how I talk to my students. Maybe I need to consider, do I treat my students of color different? Maybe I need to think about, do I proactively build relationships with my kids? Like if you're thinking like that, then it comes from that experience, but we wanna convict because what I try to tell them, it's just like trying to try, trying to convince somebody to Christianity. You know, you, you can tell them and tell them and tell them, you know, whatever they believe. And so I, or you condemn them for thinking different. And that was a huge piece that I really learned with Denise, because one of the things that Denise taught me about restorative, as I said, you can't tell someone how they should feel. So if somebody says, you know, Avi, that's never going to work, or that is stupid or asinine or whatever they want to call it. They're not wrong for feeling that way. And what I started to do is to say, you know what? You're exactly right. I know I can completely see your point of view. And the reason I say this, Avi, is is, is it's not a mind judo. I'm not disagreeing with them. You legitimately have to see their point of view. And what Denise and I have been talking about in the last couple of years are, is we're able to literally stand in other people's shoes and say... Hey, I don't agree with that, but I could really start to understand how you feel and how you how you see that and when you do that, all of a sudden, avi, instead of pitting against each other, when you say, "Hey, I really can see your point of view and I really understand that you're standing next to them and I will tell you it freaks them out because what they're used to is opposing sides right they're like. No, you know you're, you should think about equality and in e- equity, and you should think about how well students are bullied, and you know. And no, you don't. They they expect this. They never expect when you say, you know what? I completely understand how you see that, and when you do that legitimately, and all of a sudden, they're you're you're standing on their point of view, then maybe sometimes they'll stand on your point of view through an experience. Would you agree, Denise, you want to enhance on that? I will absolutely agree.
1: It's It's like getting more information about where they are and how they got at that point on that view because there might have been an experience that they had that brought them to where they feel like, no, I'm better than and they're less than. And so just asking those questions like, I hear you, I want to know more, tell me more about that. So that ex- that experience of what you give them versus what they've already had is going to be the thing that allows them to
0: take that first step to curiosity. Hey, Denise, you know what I just noticed? I, I, oh my God, I just noticed this. That is your little tip and trick lately. Tell me more. So no. I'm telling you, Avi, learn from her because she, she, is, she is really good at this. No. I noticed I, because as I reflect when you said that, I'm like, aha, there's that dang question again, Denise. No. I've no. been around when Denise has asked conversations and I've heard her say that. So Denise, when you ask that question, I'm not saying you're trying to elicit a, sp- a specific response, but w- what is so powerful about that question? Tell me more.
1: So so when I ask the question, tell me more what that does and says for the person on the other end, that's like given that pushback says, wow, she wants to know more about me when I'm trying to shut her down. So it says, no matter what, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not giving up on you. And um, I'm not just going to walk away. I'm here to stay but I just want to know more. I need to know what I'm up against, what experiences they had that got them there. And as they begin to tell what got them there, then that helps me to understand why they
0: stand where they stand. So when you hear that, um, Avi, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I
2: definitely am like, okay, that's a technique I'm 100% going to start using. Because there's even been times where I get in like, arguments over social media or text about something someone says because if i see something i'm like oh, that's not okay like let's take a minute and talk about that and i feel like yeah i just me being the stubborn person like what kevin said i see that i'm like what'd you say like huh say it again what and so i have to definitely work that's one of my flaws is i i feel like i'm so headstrong in what i believe that it, it can restrict me from having those productive conversations and that's something I've recognized for a while now. And I definitely just have struggled with how do I fix that? So I feel like that tell me more thing is definitely gonna come in handy. Cause yeah, you're kind of like catching them off guard and doing a little bit of reverse psychology. Like, Oh, well, I want to know. And then they're like, Oh, okay. Well now I kind of have to be nice too. And like throw them off a little bit. I like that a lot. I so, def-
0: Avi, I don't know. I don't know if you picked up on this. You actually gave a really strong sentence stem when you gave your example you said, can we talk about this a little bit more, right? Or something to that effect, right? You had just said that because however you open the door to conversation, right? It literally is very difficult because Avi, when it comes to that type of cloth, you and I are cut from the same cloth. I'm very I'm very reactive, okay? Yeah. And so understand this, I've learned. And so as you're making awareness about your passions and your initiatives, I wish somebody would have worked with me a little bit earlier in my life about this, Avi. So if I can give you a little bit of help personally today, maybe something will come out of this show too. Maybe I can contribute, not just Denise, got to throw a little shade there. Literally, react versus respond, okay? Think about it. React is that knee jerk reaction that when somebody posts something social media or somebody says something and you're like, that's not right. Or how can you say that? Or, you know, whatever, right? I think sometimes what we have to do is it's literally, you almost have to talk to yourself and you have to pause. And what we do is we do an activity. When we train, we talk about crossing your arms different, right? Because Avi, if you cross your arms, sit back for a second, Avi, just cross your arms. Let me just see you cross your arms. Okay, perfect. There. There. Now, do me a favor, Avi, flip them over and cross them the other way. Okay. How does that feel while you're holding that, that way? Different. Just different. A little bit uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and just to understand, for some people, that's easier than others, right? But what happens is, is, the way that you are raised, your beliefs, your ideas, whether they're right or wrong, when you cross your arms, this is who you are. This is Avi to the T, right? So understand when I am when I am Mr. Curtis, which is really Coach Curtis, like I am rooted in discipline. I I struggle with three feet conversations. I like three inch conversations. All right. So I want to be nose to nose and toes to toes, but that doesn't get me very much a lot, particularly the more I went into my career 20 years later, that's not how we handle things. And that's not how kids want you to handle things. Correct? So they don't want you in your personal space. So what I had to realize obvious is I had to respond. Now respond means a logical way to a logical way to create change, right? You have to logically do this. So now you can't let emotion come in front of logic and you've got to pause and you've got, and that's why I say it's great to have those sentence stems to be able to say, "Hey, can you tell me more?" or "Hey, I'd love to talk more about that," or whatever that little go-to is. That's your buffer that allows you to learn to respond versus react, and then it gives you a time to regroup. You know, emotionally, it gives you a time to kind of sit back and ultimately start to ultimately. And this, what I say. If you will remember, every person wants to feel valued, seen, and heard. Well, unfortunately, when it's me, when I'm the one like, you're going to listen to my message, and this is what I'm passionate about, I want to feel valued, seen, and heard. And what Denise has really been really good about teaching me is, so does the other person. What's your thoughts on that, Avi?
2: I, yeah, definitely, definitely need to work on that. And I feel like being a little bit self-aware is a good step in the right direction, because I know... My mom is always like, you are one stubborn person. (laughs) I'm like, I know. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a little. (laughs) And so, yeah, definitely just taking a moment because like you said, it's something I'm so passionate about. So I'm going to get a little bit emotional about it. And just kind of being like, why do you think like that? And I do like the whole uncross because it is uncomfortable to sit like that. It's not something I'm used to. So even putting myself in someone else's shoes might be uncomfortable because I'm like, these are not beliefs I agree with at all but I have to think about why do they think like that and then ask them that question. So I definitely think I'm going to take all of this back and tell my mental health committee and my, my No Place for Hate panel because I know we are all people who are obviously extremely passionate about that. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And I feel like there's some of us who are already good at that, but the rest of us, we are very headstrong about our beliefs and stuff.
0: See, see Avi, that would
1: be me and Denise. Go ahead, Denise. You- I want to leave you with this, Avi. I want you to think about like reacting and response in this way. Reacting requires no thought process at all. Like, I'm going to react. What do we do when we react? We usually just shoot off, right? Whatever comes out of our mouth, right? It's no thought process. It comes from emotion. But when we respond, that requires that we're thinking about how we're going to respond. But what comes from response is learning on both ends. I'm learning about that person. I'm learning, but they're learning about me and how I feel about that response. So reacting is no, no thought process. Our response I get to learn. I'm intentional. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking what I might say. And then we all get to learn. So we act requires really no thought process. Response triggers uh, learning for all.
2: Definitely. And even like, even if we take a step outside of like the social justice conversations too, that I've had with people, I've had these conversations with people too, about like mental health. Because there's people who are just like, oh, get over it. Like, I had this kid one time be like, well, I don't get depression. Like, just get up and do something. And I'm like, hey, whoa, it's not that easy. Like, I, to get a little vulnerable for a second, just got diagnosed with it, like, a couple days ago. And I'm like, when you tell people I have a hard time getting up in the morning and doing things like brushing my teeth, and they're like, ew, that's gross. You're like, okay, they are obviously reacting and not responding. (laughs) They're just they haven't had to experience that and now it's all like everything's like tying together after you talked about that whole experience thing because I feel like that can play into any conversation you have with anyone if someone's like I don't like pineapple and pizza you're like why And they're like, I've never tried it you yeah, haven't experienced it so yeah I feel like it definitely kind of ties into everything and that's definitely something I can take into any conversation I have and I feel mm. like with mental health I'm a little more like able to ask them like why do you think like that because I feel like it's not it's obviously just as important as everything else. But, like, I feel like it's an easier conversation to have than things like the social justice because those are more difficult conversations to have. Mental health, you can be like... Because a lot more people have experienced mental health issues. For me, I've never experienced someone being racist towards me. So I feel like mental health is a lot more universal to talk about because it's a lot more common that everyone can experience. But, yeah, I feel well, like...
0: I can it, it, but I didn't mean to cut you off, but it also, like you said, it's been diagnosed it has a label right unfortunately what black lives matter brought to the surface was is now it's being labeled right like we're having to like we're having to look at it and look at it in the mirror for the first time and it's got a title and it's got movement and it's got these pieces where it was just this undertone of things that you You know, kind of taboo you didn't really talk about. And if you did talk about it, it was in small groups and and those things. So the voice came to the forefront. So I could easily see why, even for us, the comfort level of talking about, and let's just be honest, talking about depression versus race, there isn't easy, a much more comfortable conversation to talk about that. But I want to make sure that you don't feel alone. And I want you to understand this for a second. So I have never struggled with depression. Okay. So that's not. But what's interesting is, is Denise has, and also the person I'm dating, right? And so what's interesting is between these two experiences, and oh, sorry, my daughter, who's 29, my daughter has depression. So what's interesting is all of a sudden, Avi, in my world, my three most important people all struggle with some form of either anxiety or depression, right? So I'm not going to say it's forced, but because I care about them so much, and here's the truth, because this work has made me more vulnerable to open to other perspectives and to open to other perceptions, right? All of a sudden, I'm like, so this is real, huh? Because I would be guilty, Avi, if my my daughter was struggling. I would be like, I don't get it. So like, take a shower or get up or, you know, like, like... Fix it, take a pill or you know, whatever, right? But now that I truly understand it, I truly have an awakening where my eyes are wide open now. But Avi, that that what happened here is understand what I talked about earlier. It came through an experience, it came through a perspective because I was vulnerable enough to say, I need to listen. I'm not right, right? I can't be the right one here. And I need to understand this because I need to, as Denise said, I need to know more. So, Denise and I have conversations about, you know, with all three parties, I have conversations with about anxiety and depression so that I can understand. And the other thing is, it looks different in every single person. Yeah. Right, Avi? So, for somebody who's never experienced it, you can, when you put a box around it, I'm like, oh, so my daughter has depression anxiety, so that's what it looks like. No, 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 no. It could look like in this different forms. And all three of them deal with it differently, all, whether they're medicated or not, all of them deal with it different. And so I always say I am so blessed for the people in my life because those three people are the most important people in my life. And yet they've given me a perspective that I would have never considered had I not gone through this work, listened to other po- points of view, stood in their shoes and asked questions like, so tell me more. So just know, Avi, give us a little bit of grace, those people that don't get it, when they don't say, when they say, just brush your teeth or whatever, right? Say, I would love to tell you more. So maybe if they don't ask the question, maybe open up the door to say, can I, I'd love to have a little bit more conversation about it so that I can tell you a little bit more about it so that you have a better understanding of what I go through because I'm different than you. What are your thoughts, Denise, when you hear me talk about that? Because, you you know, we, we've yeah. had this conversation multiple times.
1: Absolutely. I think people don't know. They just think that, like, it's a physical thing, but it is a chemical thing. Like, there's a chemical, like, you know, imbalance that goes on in your body that's up and down. And to truly understand what I'm going through or what I'm feeling Like, let's sit down and like, just have a conversation. Let me tell you like, like what it does. Like my, my whole body heats up, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I even do this thing with my hand when I'm extra, extra like anxious about something. And I just started noticing it. Like I would do this like with my thumb and I'm like, I must be anxious about something. And then as I think back back, I'm like, okay, yes, I am. But I think people just don't know and understand. They are just reacting, one. And the other thing, there's like this fear and taboo around, like, do I even want to know? Like, let's keep it 100. Right. Um, Like mental health. Oh, hell no. I don't. Get that away from me. do I even want to know what that is or what that's about? Because if they start talking about some of their signs and symptoms, could they apply to me? Yeah. You know, this whole denial thing. And so, yes, I think just having that conversation, if you feel like it and just saying, look, it's not just a Get up and do it, kind of thing. Like, there's a whole process that your body goes through. I remember one night trying to drive to a training, and my whole body, sh- like, I shut down. I had to pull over. I could not drive anymore. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I'm in the middle of like a dark highway, crying on the phone calling Kevin saying, I can't do it. I can't go
0: anymore. I can't go. And I was supposed to get a training. Right. So, and then, so what's interesting is, is I didn't react and be like, what the hell you mean? You can't get to this training. Right. Or what do you mean? Right. It was like, Hey, I completely hear you. I Mm -hmm. completely understand. Now here's what's interesting. Avi. I don't know what that feels like. So I can't say, I know what that feels like. All I can say is, man, if that's what you're feeling, that must be overwhelming, right? So here's what I need you to do. I need you to not worry about the training. I need you to worry about yourself. So what do we need to do? And so I will tell you, you know, as we're starting to wrap up this show, it really goes in if one more strategy that we could possibly help you Avi with is I'm talking about needs. When you use the sentence stem of needs, all of a sudden, it's no longer, you know, well, what I want or what I think or whatever. what do you need? When you ask them what they need, because some people just need to step away from the conversation and I need a time to think, right? Because if you're like me, Avi, you and I could press and press and press, And they they're like, what do you need? But what do you need right now? I really need to stop this conversation and kind of just step away. So like, for example, what Denise needed was to feel valued, seen and heard and loved and supported unconditionally at that moment in her time, so that she could let her anxiety dip down low enough that we could get her to a safe place. And she wasn't going to make the training, we make the adjustments, whatever has to happen, right? That's what she needed. So she, what she needed and then what I needed for the business was to make sure that we recovered and Denise will be there whenever she gets there, whatever it is. So a lot of times when you use the sentence, stem, what do you need? It could be in your personal relationship. It could be with your mom. It could be with your brother. It could be with your dad. It could be with your committee as you're working with them. You, you could be working with your mental health committee, your group, right? And you could be like, so what do you guys need in order for you to feel successful as you're contributing on this committee? And everybody could write down what they need. Because I'm telling you, needs, when needs come to the surface, roots get exposed. Like all of a sudden, th- what people really need, if they feel vulnerable and they trust the circumstances, they'll share with you what they need. And needs to me is the most powerful human, con- uh, human communication piece because when we express our needs, we are truly being vulnerable. Avi, what are your thoughts when you hear that?
2: Yeah, definitely. I feel like tying back, as I mentioned earlier, I'm very lucky with the friends I have now. They are very, very open to mental health and they struggle with their own too. And we've all been very good at setting boundaries with each other. And like, we'll do a little check-ins. Like, can I rant right now? Do you need anything before I rant? Because so I've In the past, I've had friends that just dump everything on me. And I'm just like, okay, because I want to help them because I'm like, well, I don't want them to feel alone. But my mom has really helped me realize you don't need to, you need to fix yourself and heal yourself before you go out there and fix and heal everyone else. And I feel like having the mom I do, who is very educated on mental health, which I feel very, very blessed and thankful for because I know not everyone gets those opportunities, she has taught me, you ask yourself, first. Also, what do I need right now too? And set those boundaries with people. And when I tell her I'm having a hard day right now, she's like, what do you need from me? So she's taken that exact strategy and been like, do you need space? Do you need to be in your room? Do you need me to make you food or something like that? And so, like I said, I feel like I'm very lucky to have the friends I do because we've already kind of done that with each other and been like, do you need a safe space to rant right now? And I'll be like, yes, are you in the space for me to rant right now? Mm. So it's very, I I feel very lucky at the age of 17 to have groups of friends who are so emotionally intelligent because I, like I said, I've had friends before that just use me as an emotional punching bag kind of, Mm -hmm. and that- that definitely takes a toll on you because they're your friends. You love them. You want to support them through everything, but then you aren't getting that same energy back. You're mm-hmm. just kind of, they dump everything and then leave. And lots like,
0: of, hey, lots hey. of withdrawals, no deposits, right?
2: Exactly, exactly. And so I feel like that I need this right now or what do you need is definitely something I'm very lucky to have a group of people that ask me that question And that i'm able to ask them that question they're willing to be vulnerable with me like denise is with you and be like this is what i need right now Mm -hmm. and so i just really want to teach the kids that i work with in my mental health panel not even the kids that like are on the panel because like Mm -hmm. i said a lot of them are my friends already and they're very emotionally intelligent which i'm very very grateful for and even if they wouldn't be that's okay too like a lot of kids still have a lot of growth and that's okay not everyone can be on that level. And that's totally fine. Everyone grows and learns at their own pace. But I feel like I want to teach the kids that I'm going to be working with in like the buddy program Mm -hmm. being like, what do you need right now? You can come to me. This is my boundary because it's not a space for me to be like, oh, I feel like this and this because I'm supposed to be their mentor. So I definitely feel like I'm going to take that. What do you need into that setting because it's there? It's a safe space for them and i'm going to be a new face for them. They don't know who i am probably, especially if it's over zoom and stuff. So i definitely feel like all these techniques i'm like i have so much that i just learned and i'm so excited and like eager to take it back to my community and my school and even my family and stuff. Yeah. So i'm really really excited. So
0: just just remember aim for the heart. You know, their information naturally comes when you, when you give them like, let me tell you why, you know, let me give you this resource. Let me, but, but if you can change and I had to learn this, Avi, don't aim for here, aim for here because when you hit them here with the information, right. But when you aim at the heart, here's the deal. And Denise always says this, let's keep it 100. I am very aware that when we train people in our content, here's the deal. Some people are going to get it. Some people aren't. Some people are going to go back to doing exactly what they did. But here's the deal, Avi, and I'm going to be really honest with you. Maturity will help you in this. I'm okay with that. And the reason I say that is, is because as we grow, I want you to be aware. I want, you to, I want you to start to learn to be comfortable, that it's okay, that not every single person changed. Because what I started doing is walking into the room today and I'd say, okay, if one person if one person listens to our ideas and listens to our why and listens to our how and they feel convicted and our methodology and our resources are strong enough to give them the tools to go back and build relationships with kids and they go, I got to do this and they feel compelled now. There's another C word. They feel compelled after they were convicted. Then Denise and I walk out and we always go, hey, as long as we got one yeah well well, you can't eat an elephant in one bite you're you're taking on some huge elephant ideas and philosophies and ideas you know passions and so at the end of the day and you can't eat an elephant in one bite right and expectations lead to disappointment and the reason i tell you that is because that's a huge quote i use all the time and i use that on myself too because, Avi, if you go into conversations or if you go into meetings or if you go into programs, you go into anything with an expectation that everybody has to listen and everybody has to change. And if not, you've, quote unquote, in your perception, failed. No, Expecta- set your expectations, not low, just set your expectations in, in real terms of just saying, look, if we have six people in here and one person is listening, one person asks more questions, if some person comes back the second time and wants to know more information, then, then you're taking a step in the right direction. Yeah. Denise, any closing words?
1: Just think that this was just so amazing. Um, you are a phenomenal young lady. Um, we're going to connect because I would love to do some type of, like maybe circle with your group. Mental health, and we all get together and circle up. You're doing great work. I love it. Um, Keep on doing you, being you. And remember, though, take care of yourself and uh, keep your boundaries set. You are one phenomenal young lady. I am so honored to meet you sister.
2: I'm honored to meet you. Like I said, I've heard such amazing things about both of you guys and I I was really lucky I got to meet Kevin like a month or so ago, but I I'm so excited to hopefully work with you both in the future because just from this what like hour long podcast, I've learned so many things that I'm very eager to bring back and you guys are both just such amazing people and it makes me have a lot of hope that there are people out there who are willing to elevate student voices because like i said i've had a lot of shutdowns with admin and things like that and so it just gives me a lot of hope that people are willing to listen to what i have to say and wanting to help me like change and educate me on things that i haven't even thought about
0: well For our listeners, as we wrap this episode up, I think hope is a great, great word to kind of finalize our words today. I think what Avi has given us, Denise, and our listeners is hope that the youth is just like a resounding voice of things that you and I have learned later in life that we wanted to talk about and address. And you've also given us hope and ideas that these conversations are actually taking place proactively in places that we were unaware of and I think that, the, that that hope is also put in the work that we do. So I want to thank you both for being on the podcast. I want to thank you for your contributions and, and all the value that you brought to the conversations today. And for our listeners, you know, again, if you want to listen to more about, if you want to check out, actually, Avi's mom was episode two. If you go back all the way to the beginning, Maureen Paleros episode number two, there was a lot of huge takeaways. So between you and your mom, You've added so much value to the podcast, but for our listeners, go back and check uh, episode two. Check out Maureen's episode if you want to learn more about her mom and what she adds value to the education in the classroom. But hey guys, listen, it was awesome connecting with you and we will connect with you next time.
2: Thank you so much.